Good morning. If it's morning for you, it is for me. And normally I do other things before I come on and share and connect and record. But today it was just out of my heart to share this, uh, you know, th when things are fresh. <laughs> so it's morning. Things are fresh. Things are moving and shaking and happened last night. And I just want to ask you if you first put on your armor of God today. It was just driving my daughter home from school and heard that to put on the helmet of salvation and understand that it is by his works and salvation that you can live today. Like you can live, you can breathe, you can enjoy the day. And we got to hear the joy report on the way to school this morning. It was so cool. And the joy report was about the marriage that had been redeemed and saved. I was like, yes, God loves family. It's so good. And if you are new, I am Sarah. This is the Change With Him Real Raw Redeemed podcast. And my new family, my family has recently changed, recently got married, found out we're expecting, have a little little baby in April. He's on his way. He's cooking <laughs> a little bun in the oven. So super excited for that and for all the things that God is doing in our lives. And it was kind of crazy. Um, my husband, we dated less than two months Um Oh, today, actually today, <laughs> it's been three months today since our first date and we've been married for over a month. So it's kind of wild and crazy, but when God moves, he moves when, you know, the sign, I uh, move, you move just like that. And, and he does, he calls us to make a move and then he'll move. He doesn't call us to sit around and like literally wait on him, like wait on you, Lord, right? And we sing that he will renew your strength and he does and he will. But he doesn't just call you to sit around laissez-faire and do nothing. And my husband and I kind of got into a little second last night. We were talking about this. And uh, this came up through a conversation and just through the ways that God works. And they're all good ways. Uh, they're a conversation about what our purpose is. And when we feel like we're not living in our purpose and we ask and we question and we wonder, well, I love that. When my daughter, like all the time, she's six years old. Mom, I have a question. Mom, I have a question and I can feel myself internally like, oh, what? Of course, I don't react that way or respond that way. I say, what's your question, my love? Like, that's always just my automatic response. I believe that's God's automatic response, even if he's annoyed with us. He's like, what's your question, my love? And and I felt that when this question came up, like, what do we do when we're not feeling like we're living in our purpose? And after work yesterday, uh, I have a stack of books. Like, we've just moved back into our home, and I don't quite have the desk that I had before, thankfully, because the other one was, like, big, and I just didn't like it. So I've got a table, and my laptop is sitting on top of a stack of books. There's Every Single Moment by Stephanie Mae Wilson, Discerning the Voice of God by Priscilla Schreier. Um, fervent. I should personally try the Bible in 52 weeks. So that's what helped me read the Bible for the first time. I had to follow a plan. Now I'm just reading it and reading it. And it's just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Best book in the world. Um, also in that stack and pile of books was the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren and the Purpose Driven Life Journal. And the cover says, what on earth am I here for? And I think a lot of us question that and a lot of us wonder that. And it's an incredible question. When we've got the question, we go to the one who has the answers. And so I started reading that because in a course I'm taking, it was asking us to find scripture that shows God's love for us. And obviously the most popular relevant one is for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, right? Whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And it's almost so known if you grew up in church or even if you didn't, it's like John 3, 16, like one of the most popular verses in the Bible. But for me, 
yes, of course it shows that God loves us, but it really didn't resonate with that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I didn't kind of get that way, especially when we've been trying to find the way we, we know that the way is God, but we still have these questions like what's my purpose, right? Especially if we're in a job or a position or a season in life where we just feel like, mm, I'm not fully being used. So maybe God doesn't trust me to be fully used. Maybe he doesn't think I am fully equipped or fully have what it takes, or maybe I'm missing some pieces. And I feel like that, like my life is a puzzle and I'm like missing a lot of pieces. So it's just going to be incomplete and I'm frustrated. And who wants to sit down at a table and do a 10,000 piece puzzle? It's like, no thanks. Right. And it kind of feel that way sometimes. So I'm looking at the stack of books and I see the purpose driven life. And like before my husband comes home. I'm like, okay, what is that book about? Maybe I'll find some scripture in there to help with this exercise that I'm doing to find scripture that, that really speaks to how God loves us. So I pick it up, the book, not the journal, and I read through it. And I've actually done this before. I've read through the book before. Uh, maybe a year or two ago, you know, when it was just me, my daughter on my own. And didn't have like a person or a group to read it with. And it says literally in the beginning, like, don't do this on your own. <laughs> I was like, what? Why? Um, and I, and I love it because of what he says Two, uh, this is from Ecclesiastes four, nine, two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. Two people can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. A rope of three cords is hard to break. And it reminded me, I always say the most powerful relationships are threesomes. And when I, I'm in a threesome now, it's the most incredible threesome ever. And myself, my husband and, and God at the top, God at the center, if you're thinking about it like a shape, I don't know if you do that, but I do that sometimes. And the shape is a triangle and God is at the top and we're at the base. And he is who we look up to. He is who we go to when we have questions that we need answers. Like my little six-year-old mom, I have a question. Like she comes to her mother. We all go to our father. And and it said this, right? This is more than just a guide to a 40-day spiritual journey. This is, it's that will enable you to discover the answer to life's most important question. What on earth am I here for? Like, I don't know. And so we got into it. We we signed the little covenant agreement in the beginning of it. And I was really grateful for that because I read the book before, but it said to not read the book. So I strongly urge you to read only a chapter a day, but don't continue reading like it's just a regular book. Don't just read this book. Interact with it. Underline it. Write out your own thoughts in the margins. Make it your book. Personalize it. Uh, the books that have helped me the most are the ones that I reacted to, not just read. And the first time I went through this, I just read it. I, so I didn't really react to it because I was doing it alone. And for a long time, before I got married, I was living life alone for over six years, just my daughter and I, and things were good. <laughs> and it was really difficult to embrace the changes in the beginning. But I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Things are moving fast. And I want it to move in the direction that, that glorifies and honors God. So how can we start that? How can we not just start it, but how can we continue in it and stay in it? So um, I saw this where I had signed my name previously in this covenant agreement that says, with God's help, I commit to the next 40 days of my life to discovering God's purpose for my life. And I had signed my name and I asked my husband about it. And like last night we said, let's do it. Let's do it before we go to bed or first thing in the morning. I think before we go to bed, 
Uh, that way we can just allow this to be what God reveals to us. And wow, he revealed some crazy dream last night. That'll have to be a separate episode. So he signed his name last night. I crossed out my old last name and put my new one. And then we read chapter one that said it all starts with God. It's not about you is the first line. And we were like, ooh, <laughs> right? And I love this is what he says. The search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? And it's that me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 like a little toddler who's like angry. That's mine. Give it back. Right? Focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. And I thought that was so powerful. So <laughs> they give points to ponder, verses to remember, and questions to consider. The point to ponder after reading chapter one, I love the very last story, is that life without God makes no sense. This guy has this revelation. He's a Russian novelist, grew up under an atheist communist regime. And he's having this experience one day where it's in a very dark place. I've been there too. And suddenly it says all by itself in a phrase appeared. Well, not by all itself. That was the Holy Spirit <laughs> appearing. And the phrase that appeared out of quote unquote nowhere was without God, life makes no sense. And so many of us are asking or searching or trying to seek out our purpose our purpose, our way, what is my purpose, instead of asking what is God's purpose for me. And the point to ponder was, it's not about me. And it really should be the center and focal point of our lives on our heart and on our minds every single day. This is the day that the Lord has made, right? <laughs> like, it's not the day that I have made. <laughs> we did not make this day and then wake up and, and step into it. Uh, so the verse to remember is Colossians 1.16, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. But that's not the one that threw me completely off and started this little riff and tiff with my husband last night. Like I went to bed. I'm like, we're done talking. Good night. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. We're human. Um, the, the question to consider was, in spite of all the advertising around me, how can I remind myself that life really is about living for God and not myself? And I'm just not a person personally, and my husband isn't either, that we like give in to advertising. I mean, we give in to like the numbing of scrolling on social media at times. But I have really done such a better job than I used to be, a very more conscious job of unfollowing people that a i don't know they're complete strangers to me and are not glorifying god so most of my personal accounts are accounts that when i do get on social media it's like all of these god scriptures versus motivational things pop up but it really isn't about trying to be inspired by motivational things that you follow on social media it's about being inspired by god's word so we talked about that and we're like man the advertising doesn't really get us I'm not the, oh my gosh, I need the latest and greatest iPhone 15. Like, oh my gosh, what number are they going to go up to? Phone. And I'm going to like sacrifice the quality of my life and, and put my family out because we really can't afford it to go get it or the latest and greatest Nike shoes or handbag or whatever. It's not, those are all material things that are of the world. And they just quite honestly and frankly do not interest me. So the advertising really doesn't get to me. And I like to eat healthy. So whenever we're out and I'm like hungry, I'm like, eh, we'll just go home and make something. Like it's okay to wait 30 minutes, have a snack while you're cooking. You know what I mean? 
So I was just like, well, how can I remind myself that it really is about living for God and not myself? And the first thing that came to mind were those WWJD bracelets, right? We should bring those back. <laughs> Here's where it got a little sticky last night. Not the book, but the journal that goes with the book. And I, this morning, I'm like, this is why I don't like journaling. So the same thing, day one, it all starts with God, the same verse. Um, but here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. <laughs> There's an alternative speculation, right? The, the first chapter was about speculation, and that's a one option. But the next is about revelation. So it shouldn't be about speculation. It really should be about revelation. You want to deep dive into your purpose in life and God's purpose for your life and what the purpose of your life is. It's about revelation, not speculation, because speculation is just guessing, is kind of like pondering with other worldly minded people. Like, well, what do you think it is? Well, I don't know. What do you think it is? And even in day one, it talks about how there's this, you know, really well-known person. I think he's a professor somewhere. And he, let me find out. <laughs> I sound so intelligent right now. Um, <laughs> oh, Dr. Hugh Moorhead, a philosophy professor at Northeastern University, once wrote to 250 of the best known philosophers, scientists, writers, and intellects in the world, asking them what's the meaning of life. And then he published their responses in a book. Some offered their best guesses. Some admitted they just made up a purpose for life. And others were honest enough to say that they were clueless. Uh, in fact, many of them wrote back to Miss Professor Moorhead and asked him to tell them if he had discovered the purpose of life. And so it's obviously a question we're all wondering, pondering, and care to have the answer to. So it's not about speculation, which clearly was presented in that, but it's about revelation. We can turn to what God has revealed about life and in his word. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator of it. The same is true for discovering your purpose in life. Ask God. So my husband and I were talking last night about like the invention of the sink. Like if you just got this weird twisted, you know, curved piece of metal, someone gave it to you. You're like, what is this? Like before you knew what a sink was, right? Before you had access to a sink, like back in the well digging days, you know, buckets of water on your head, like someone gave you this twisted piece of metal. I was like, here, like, what is this? Like, what's the purpose of this? What is this supposed to do? How am I supposed to use this? How am I supposed to benefit from this, experience this, a relationship with this twisted metal? And if you didn't have the manual, obviously the manual for our lives is the Bible, or if you didn't have the inventor of it there to ask the question to, for him to explain to you, you'd probably discard it, get rid of it and throw it away. Like you would think this is useless. It's a piece of trash. This is junk. And I think a lot of us do that because A, we're not plugging into our life's manual, the Bible. It's like whenever something has gone wrong on my car, thank God, knock on wood, very rarely, but I'll pull out the owner's manual and I'm like, what does this light mean? Like, what do I need to do? Does something need to be reset? What is it telling me? There's an activation. There's a signal of something not being right. And there's a manual for my car. I keep it in the glove box. It's been there since the day that I bought it. And I turn to it and I use it. Well, I hope you're using your Bible more than you're looking at the manual on your car to figure out what a light or a weird ticking sound is. 
but we go to the creator of it, right? Obviously the creator of the car created the manual because he knew that you would be experiencing a relationship with your car, a relationship with my car. I'm grateful for it. It takes me, you know, here and there and everywhere. Uh, but it's like, thank you for the manual. Thank you for the inventor of the car that gave me the manual so that when I'm kind of out experiencing, you know, travel and a relationship with my car on my own and something gets a little wonky or off, I've got what I need to plug into to find the answer. Like that's the key. So the key to life is the manual is the Bible, obviously, and going straight to the creator of it. And I think that's where a lot of us go wrong. We, we don't plug in straight to God. You know, religion is saying you have to do certain works in a certain particular order, in a certain particular way, time, place, all the things, all the rituals, all the rules, all the laws, that's all religion. God has came to, Jesus came to abolish religion and really establish relationships. So when we first realize the revelation that he is risen and when he rose, he left us the most powerful, incredible gift, the gift of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are automatically plugged into, connected to the inventor, the creator of the invention. That would be like whoever designed the sink, like you having them right there to say, hey, what is this? How does this work? And they say, oh, it's a sink. You no longer have to walk out to the well with massive buckets on your head and get water every morning. You plug this in, you, you put this in, there's a hole right there and you connect this hose to the hole and you, you're able to just turn this little knob and whenever you want or need water, it's there and it's available with this invention, with this creation. It's going to benefit you. It's going to make your life so much better, so much greater, so much easier. And then when you go, oh, wow, gosh, that's amazing. That makes so, things so much easier. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I just put this weird twisted bended thing and that you're calling it a, a faucet or a sink. Yeah, sure. Whatever you want to call it. Different names, right? Tomato, tomato, faucet, sink. <laughs> and you put it in this particular area and there's this bowl under it. What do you call the bowl? Oh, the bowl is a sink. <laughs> and this is the faucet. Uh, and then you connect this hose to it and then you turn this handle and voila, water comes out anytime you need it. You're like, oh my gosh. But if you didn't have the creator of that invention right there to ask, you might just discard it as if it was trash. And I think that's what a lot of us do with our lives. And we're like, we don't know what the purpose of our lives are. And the same is true for discovering your purpose. Ask God, right? I loved that. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator of it. Well, ask God about the purpose of your life. Here's where it got sticky, icky, and tricky. Uh, they shared the verse 1 Corinthians 2.7. And it says, God's wisdom goes deep into the interior of his purposes. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest, what God determined as the way to bring out his best in us. So my husband and I were talking about what we think that means. And I was stumped. I was stumped. I was stalked. I was blocked. I was like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't get it. And we've decided to not be on our phones at night and just be together with each other and actually talk and not be numbed out and drowned out by a scream. So we were talking about it. He read it over multiple times because I'm like, I don't get it. God's wisdom. Okay. Yep. Infinite wisdom, most powerful wisdom goes deep into the interior of his purposes. So I'm like, uh, kind of get that. Not really though. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. So I'm like, mm, don't really get that either. 
what God determined as the way to bring out his best in us. I'm like, well, duh, he wants to bring out his best in us. And so we kind of talked about it and then we got into it. <laughs> oh, so great. So I, I, of course I woke up and it was one of the first things on my mind after this crazy dream that I had. And so I, I Googled, right? Like the, what does first Corinthians two, seven mean? And on the website, BibleRev.com. Okay. Google off. Oh my gosh. I need to unplug that. Um, and then I had to click expand because it still didn't make sense, but here's what Bible ref, uh, explains what Corinthians, like careful what I say, Google's listening. (laughs) What does first Corinthians two, seven mean? Paul describes a mere human wisdom with its limited perspective as fatally incomplete in understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reason and evidence are important, but they don't force a person to accept the truth. Okay, this is where like, okay, Rick Warren, you got me, (laughs) right? But we needed additional things. And I think sometimes we do need additional support because sometimes reading the Bible can be really frustrating. I was quite like blown away that it led to an argument with my husband, like two God loving people who wanted to understand and deepen their relationship with not only God, but with each other. And then we're arguing over God's word, going to bed a little angry. (laughs) I was like, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for more support. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. Gospel truth doesn't need to be dressed up in showmanship and to be understood or sorry, to be understood and accepted. That's first Corinthians two, one through two. Paul points to a higher, better wisdom, Paul's author of 1 Corinthians, which he does teach to those who are mature, meaning those who are in Christ and have God's spirit within them. I was like, check that box, right? (laughs) Paul describes this wisdom of God as secret and hidden. That triggered me or activated me a little bit. I'm like, well, why would he keep it secret and hidden? And I'm grateful that this went on to explain. God decreed this wisdom before, quote, the ages, before time began, for the glory of those who believe in Christ. God's wisdom is secret and hidden in the sense that it cannot be obtained by mere observation of the world. Evidence can point towards God, that's Psalms 19.1, but it won't help those who don't want to seek God. So you have to want to seek God. And that's Matthew 7, 7 through 8. God's wisdom is above and beyond what humans can perceive in our natural state apart from him. That's Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. God must reveal his wisdom to us or we will not be aware of it. I was like, okay, my mind is starting to get a little blown. At the heart of this hidden wisdom is the gospel itself. God's plan put in place from before the beginning Paul put it this way in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, I'm going to add, and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to praise his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved still gets a little bit tricky and confusing. So I opened my Bible, like my personal Bible that I read every morning, the new study version. So I'm like, okay, I've got this explanation here. And 
it helped make more sense. So my husband came out uh, and we were talking about it. I sent the link to him and I'm like, this helps. I woke up a little still annoyed with you (laughs) because of our own worldly, earthly understanding experience. And we were speculating. I was like, oh, that's what it was talking about last night. I wanted to grab my phone to investigate further. Sometimes you need to do that when you're using scripture, but we wanted to not be on our screens. And so we were speculating what we thought it meant. And that's when we got into an argument. And so everything came full circle, completely together, that speculation leads to argument. And, you know, sometimes it can lead to built up resentment too. And it's kind of funny that they all rhyme, speculation, argument, resentment. It was like, well, that was the enemy, right? And the enemy wants that. The enemy wants us to stop there, get blocked there, and not continue to dive and expand and go deeper and to explore. But that's the power of God's wisdom and the Holy Spirit. He calls us to dive deeper and explore. So I opened up my Bible and I started reading. Like right there in 1 Corinthians, I highlighted wisdom from the Spirit. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. So it's not like government wisdom. It's not earthly, worldly wisdom who are doomed to pass away. I It's like people get their feathers all shuffled when they get all like, oh, the government and this is, I'm like, just breathe and pray. (laughs) But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this, unless they're in God, of course. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. (sighs) The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received the Spirit of the world. Not sorry. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. I'm like, whoa, okay. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. I'm like, again, what in the world does all of this mean? I don't get it. And so I go to the bottom where the explanation is, and it says the rulers who executed Jesus did not understand what they were doing. Paul and the Corinthians would have failed to understand Christ's death apart from the Spirit's revelation. I was like, oh, Rick Warren used that word last night. It's about revelation, not speculation, to them about its meaning. Spirit searches the human heart, but here the Spirit searches the depths of God. God's Spirit bridges the chasm between the deep things of God and the human heart graciously, enabling human beings to understand the message of the cross, which would otherwise be incomprehensible. This was wild. And then I I continued reading because I don't like to just stop or get stuck on one verse. I like to read before and after it. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6, 13 says those who are spiritual. And before this God thing, before I decided to ride the God train, I was on the spiritual train. And so I was doing all kinds of spiritual, new agey, worldly things. And this says those who are spiritual. I'm like, ooh, that got my attention. Although the adjective, quote, spiritual, could refer to things or words, rather than to people. Paul seems to be turning now to the subject of spiritual people. I'm like, okay, as a Christian, I'm a spiritual person, right? But then it says, as Paul has just made clear, only the spirit, big A-S, capital S, like Holy Spirit, can render the message of the cross by truly comprehensible, or sorry, 
can render the message of the cross truly comprehensible to someone. So every Christian is a quote, spiritual person led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers, on the other hand, do not have the spiritual capacity to understand the things of God. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You guys, my mind was blown by this. I'm like, oh, I get it now. And I think that that's so important to continue to dive further and deeper and to explore and to research and discover what is really being said and not just stop and talk to someone about it through speculation of what you think it means based on your own past experiences, because that's what my husband and I did. And we got into it and I'm like, this is annoying. We're going to bed angry, right? The Bible says don't go to bed on anger. I'm like, well, tonight's not that night. (laughs) So, but when we continue to engage and explore and deepen it, and he told me that as he was reading it uh, on his phone, he read different versions and like the passion translation, different translations of those passages. So we could understand it from different perspectives and different angles, because sometimes the angle that we're viewing it is limiting what we can see or understand with it. And the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God empowers us to experience things and to view things from different angles. And it was absolutely amazing. I don't think it's any coincidence that first Corinthians chapter three is all about division in the church. And as the church, we are the body of Christ and families, especially Christian families are, you know, the body of Christ. And we're, we're, brought together, right, to become one. And so we're brought together to serve his kingdom because I told my husband, well, I think that the purpose is to serve God and bring others to God. If we're believers, our purpose is to bring non-believers to God. And then we got into a conversation about that, about how that's not just the purpose. But I'm like, I think that's the ultimate purpose, however, um, because that's what leads to eternity and eternal life with Christ. So really, really interesting. Maybe we'll have more episodes on the next couple days, but we committed to this for 40 days. I'd love for you to too. So maybe pick up your purpose-driven life by Rick Warren and join us.